0: There is one story that every person is a part of, and it goes like this. God created us out of love to be in relationship with him, but our trust in God was broken by sin, and we became separated from him. So God sent Jesus Christ into the world to redeem us and restore us to new life. We all belong within the big, universal story of God's redeeming love. But at the same time, we each have our own individual experiences with God. Our encounters with His grace, mercy, hope, healing—these moments are as unique and unrepeatable as we are. And they are stories that are meant to be shared. You're listening to The Story, a podcast by St. Andrew the Apostle Catholic Church. In each episode, a different member of our community tells the story of a personal experience in their journey to know and follow the Lord. On this episode of The Story, you'll hear from the newest addition to the St. Andrew ministry team, Deacon Gordon Prepsky. He'll be sharing the story of how he came to the Catholic faith after many years of exploring different Christian denominations. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Deacon Gordon Prepsky. Um, it still is always a little bit of an effort to add the deacon to the yeah. beginning of my still getting uh, used to that. introducing myself to people because mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been about 16 months. I've been a deacon um, uh, married for 39 years. My wife's name is Kim. I have twin girls who are 29 um, years old. So, and I've, I've been a deacon here at St. Andrews for, I don't I think, what is it, four months, I think, about. Gosh,
0: uh, is it really only four months? I say that in a good way. I feel like you've been a part <laughs> of It seems like us. you've been forever. Is it a is a little so, muddled this year with the timing of things. So, uh, I guess it is. I guess you came over the summer.
1: It's been so agonizing having you here, deacon, <laughs> that it seems all. like forever. Not
0: at all, but I realize it could be interpreted that way. Yeah, that's not what I meant. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, thank you for sitting down with me today and helping out with kind of getting this podcast project off the ground. What in general were you hoping to share with people today?
1: Well, I, I have a, I think it's an interesting uh, story in terms of how I beca- ultimately became Catholic. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I took a circuitous route. To, um, and God has been active in that process, so in a variety of different ways. so.
0: So how did it how did everything start out? Like where did things begin?
1: Yeah, um, as a child, uh, my father was Jewish okay. but, but non-practicing. Um, my mother was Catholic and non-practicing. So neither ever went to a synagogue or went to church. Uh, my mother would come in at night, before I went to bed and pray with me every night before I went to bed. And uh, I remember at her, uh, after she died, um, at her funeral, I was standing in front of the casket and this kind of surprised me. I said, "Um, mom, thank you for my faith. Hmm. And this was long after I I had become uh, an evangelical Protestant. Um, I wasn't Catholic yet. Uh, But her coming in and praying with me every night Before I went to bed, uh, I think that was the seed that led to my believing in God, and that, and it wasn't even it was not doctrinal, it wasn't theological, Mm -hmm. it was just you know help me be a good person tomorrow kind of Mm -hmm. prayers, and but that I think stuck with me throughout my life, and so I always believed in God. Um, My parents, I guess, but but more so my father uh, indicated that I was Jewish. Okay. So my identity as a kid was that I was Jewish and and not Catholic. Mm. And I was always a little bit embarrassed by that because none of my friends were Jewish. Um, But again, we didn't practice anything. Um, And then uh, when I never went to church, when I became, when I was in high school, um, I met a girl who was a fundamentalist Baptist. Okay. So I don't know if. Where
0: were you, by the way? Where were you growing up?
1: Uh, Redford Township. In Michigan? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, okay, okay, just right here, out right? L- near Livonia, Farmington Hills, it, okay. uh, you know, and this fundamentalist Baptist, I don't know if you remember uh, Jerry Falwell and, yes. and those kinds of folks, mm-hmm. Liberty Baptist College or Bible College, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that, that kind of religious uh, identity, started witnessing to me and she told me that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, she tried to appeal to my Jewish um, identity. Uh, it was very difficult for me, thinking that I was a Jew, mm-hmm. uh, to accept that. Um, but then she showed me uh, some Old Testament passages mm. about the Messiah. Um, I actually used one of them in my homily last night, mm. uh, Isaiah 35, Isaiah, I think, 45. And, and the the biggest one was uh, Isaiah 53, which talks about the suffering Christ. And she told me that he was the fulfillment of the the prophecies around the Messiah, and I had a hard—I wrestled with that because it just—it felt like I was being disloyal, not to my father, but just to my identity.
0: Mm -hmm. Was Messiah something that you knew about growing up Jewish? Because you said it was like an identity, but it wasn't something like you weren't going to synagogue or something.
1: No, I had—I had no concept. I had no religious education. And yet it made sense okay. once, um, once she started showing me those scriptures. But uh, it, it wasn't that something that she that had been been there and she was tapping into. She was introducing it. Got it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And, and then at, at some point, um, she realized that she shouldn't be dating someone outside the faith. Um, there's, there's a cute term in, in fundamentals or evangelical Protestant backgrounds called missionary dating, uh, you're not supposed to do that, but yeah. but sometimes I
0: think that happens a little bit in the Catholic world too. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it.
1: I imagine it does. But she, you know, we realized she realized that that she shouldn't probably be with me, and so we broke up. And uh, after we broke up, I was you know just being a 19 year old and was going through something that was very difficult and struggling emotionally. Um, and I remember just one evening in my basement. Uh, spontaneously saying, please, Jesus, help me. Mm. Uh, and it surprised me yeah. because I didn't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was April 10th, 1975, uh, in my basement. And I, I just realized that I had put my trust in Christ. Uh, and whether that, that conversion is different or similar to anybody else's, that was mine. And at that point, um, I didn't see her again for about a year. And she had introduced me to the concept of reading the scripture. Um, and so I started reading the New Testament. I start, started just with Matthew and reading through the New Testament. And almost every night for a year, uh, I had no, no one to disciple me. No, I wasn't going to church. Um, I had no pastor guiding me along the process. I just read the scripture. And it was probably even to this day... I would say, in, from a from a spiritual perspective, probably the most inspiring period of time in my Christian walk, because it was just the Scripture and me and God speaking to me uh, about Christ. And then I, I saw her again a year later, and she invited me to church, and um, I started going to this fundamentalist Baptist church and got really involved and just loved it. So I'd always had sort of a spirit for. Religious things, values, um, doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother had constantly said, be a good person. It's, yeah. it's easier to be good than to be bad, was her phrase, which I hated as a kid, <laughs> but came to understand yeah. later. Uh, and so I think just being involved in the faith, just mm-hmm. tapped, that's what got tapped into.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that you stuck with reading scripture on your own for that long. I and mean, that's a long time for someone that has never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um what do you think kept you going? Was did it just was it just something that kind of came naturally to you and so it just had momentum or how did how did that go?
1: Um I don't I'm not one that uses a lot of christianese, you know. Mm-hmm. and sort of pat christian answers. Um but I will give you one that that sound will sound sort of pat. I I can't attribute it Uh, To anything else but God working through me, the Spirit of God, Mm -hmm. motivating me, unconsciously, uh, just providing that desire, Mm -hmm. because there was no other reference point that would have said, you should be doing this. Um, So I I don't know what to attribute it Mm -hmm. to other than that. Um, I had a living Bible. um, Okay. I don't know if they sell the Living Bible very much anymore, but uh, it's in a—it's a very informal language. It's not a very accurate translation, yeah. Yeah. So it was—it was easy to read, and and it was sort of fun for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think it—I'm a psychologist. I'm a deacon. um, The human condition, helping people, is is part of how I think, and so I think reading the scripture fit. Fit very well with my personality, Uh, but I but I have to assume that it was the spirit of God moving me to do that specific activity. So,
0: did anybody? The other thing I was curious about: did anybody know that you were doing this at the time? Like, did your mom or dad know?
1: No, I I certainly I hid it from my dad because I was afraid that he would be angry, Um, and ultimately he was. Um, We had uh, tension and and conflict over it. He was it's very difficult for him uh, when he found out. Uh, that I didn't not identify as a Jew but I believed in Christ which just seemed like that was just unacceptable to him um, my mother you know didn't have she just could accept me no matter what I could have been on anything and she would have just be accepting about that so okay um,
0: and then once you started once you started going to the church that yep. you started going to was that kind of their reactions to that?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was difficult for my dad, and he would he would tolerate it, but mm-hmm. you know there was always this tension as I was leaving. Where are you going? Going to church? Oh, you know, and he would just not mm-hmm. say anything, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't say anything, and and um, uh, I tried to uh, witness to him mm-hmm. about Christ, but it never really went anywhere. Uh, so,
0: so then when you started going and and you got involved in this community, uh, what about it? Did you like?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not a very social person, so it wasn't really just the other kids. There were, I mean, there were a couple of my we kids. I mean, we were this was a college, youth group age, um, so we weren't like little kids. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a real like slap on the back, you know, let's be friends and play cards together kind of guy. Um, although I didn't, I didn't mind getting together with other right. kids, but I did enjoy. A, having a group of people who were interested in the same kind of things that I mm-hmm. was. And the thing that attracted me a lot, and I still am very thankful for in the, from the fundamentalist Baptist background and then the evangelical, mm-hmm. less fundamentalist Protestant arena, is just the love of Scripture. I mean, we would get together on a Wednesday night and they would have sermons, what they called sermons, mm-hmm. we call them homilies, um, but they would have sermons for you know thirty five minute sermons, teaching the scripture, breaking it down, talking about the Greek, talking about translations, talking about what it means in our lives, and that was just inspiring for me. Um, uh, there's
0: just an endless amount of things uh, once you start diving into it to yeah, uncover.
1: There's a there's a ton of depth in the scripture that mm-hmm. um, they would dive into, and I and it was inspiring. Um, so uh, and it and at some point. You know, I got caught up in, in, I was young and I was searching for my identity and mm-hmm. everybody wanted you to go to seminary and, um, you know, the really holy people, the holy guys went to seminary, G- women too, but not nearly as frequently. Um, so I got ca- kind of caught up in that. And then I went off to college and I was part of Campus Crusade for Christ. And we went out on campus, uh, uh, you know, trying to talk to people about about the Lord, which to be honest, I I really didn't enjoy doing. I hated it because I'm not. Um, I don't think I have the gift of evangelization, and I'm an introvert. And I didn't I didn't <laughs> like going out and saying to someone I didn't know I was a complete stranger right, to. Have right. you heard of the four spiritual laws? Uh-huh. And the, no. What is that? And then engaging in that conversation. So and where
0: were you at college?
1: Eastern Michigan. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and that's where I met my wife in Campus Crusade. Uh, For Christ, we got married after um, I was a, I don't know what I was, I was probably a junior and she was a freshman when we met, Uh, started dating, uh, ultimately got married, Mm -hmm. uh, asked my father-in-law to marry his daughter three times before he said yes.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. He he, was a tough sell, huh?
1: He turned me down twice. He, He said, you guys aren't ready. You're not. You're too young. You're not far. You know she's not far enough along in her education, and you're not just you haven't started your career yet. Mm-hmm. And you know we thought we were in love and going to go out and change the world. And uh, uh, so he probably wisely asked us to wait till we were more ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got married, and we were involved in. Um, we continued to be involved. At that point, we had both moved away from the fundamentalist, the more conservative uh, side of Protestant Christianity, and we're in, got involved in in what's referred to as just evangelical Protestantism. Okay. Um, Bible churches um, not necessarily aligned with a particular denomination um, and and not quite so conservative. And, and I don't know how to describe their o- more open-mindedness, um, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we started moving in that direction, which was ultimately began our journey to the Catholic f- faith. Okay. Uh, so we moved away from fundamentalism to evangelicalism, mm-hmm. Um we together were attracted to um, the social justice aspects of Catholicism, mm-hmm. uh, the ministering to the poor, uh, being involved in different nonprofit agencies that, that would try to feed people and clothe people mm-hmm. and do those kinds of things. Because I think that happened more uh, in Catholic circles than, than in the circles we had been a part of. There's still groups like Salvation Army and all of that, um, which do great work. Um we, we began to move away from some of what we thought was uh, the, the trite aspects of the more conservative faith, the, the cliches um, that we didn't think were quite so biblical. And I, again, I don't mean to cast, cast any aspersions right. on that background. I am thankful, uh, very thankful for, for having been a part of it. It influences who I am today as a Christian. It influences how I preach Um, my, I think my preaching is a little bit different than most other priests or deacons because it has that old Bible Mm -hmm. exegesis background to it, which I think is, I, I love.
0: So you and your wife were becoming more part of, of the evangelical Protestant churches. right? And so how long were you involved with that? Like what was the span of time? That's a
1: good question. Um, probably at least 10 years probably closer to 15 mm-hmm. years okay it was a very gradual journey so we, we the journey ultimately this is sort of the an, the end summary um, we went from fundamentalist Baptist to evangelical Protestant to Bible Church um, we explored Episcopal churches okay. um, and, and we really loved the liturgy in the Episcopal Church because it's so very close to the Catholic liturgy mm. Um We explored uh, Lutheran churches. We came Lutheran for about a year and a half. Um, So it was a gradual journey um, and ultimately became Catholic in 2001, I think. 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere somewhere in there. We were um, increasingly attracted to the liturgy, the beauty of the liturgy. My wife was especially attracted to the historicity of the church, that Mm -hmm. it was 2,000 years old. We, we were attracted to the depth of teaching that addressed some of those trite things that we found unsatisfying mm-hmm. uh, in, in the former churches. Uh, there was a depth to spiritual understanding. We liked the both and nature, uh, where you didn't have to pick sides and boil everything down into neat uh, three-point doctrines. Our, our impression was that the Catholics who were very serious about their faith were much more comfortable with mystery and 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 admitting that they don't quite mm-hmm. you know that God yeah. God says this, but he also says this, and yeah. we have to figure out how to work that out. Yeah. And there was an intellectual depth there that we found very attractive. The social mm-hmm. justice stuff, um, and what we didn't, what I didn't know was drawing me is is I think ultimately the Eucharist. Mm. Um, but but we didn't have any. That that's only a, a conclusion. Since I became Catholic, it wasn't something that actively drew us back then.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated at how you were just really seeking. Like it just sounds like you the just, whole time. Yeah, you and your wife were really seeking something that maybe you, could, you couldn't put your finger on. Like you could put your finger on what it wasn't when you experienced it, maybe. Exactly. But then you were like that like you were saying for you, you think it was it was the Eucharist, but you didn't know that. It shows me how the spirit works, right. um, which is that God knew that. And just thinking about the Eucharist, almost calling out and, and drawing you just inch by inch, it seems like.
1: And, it, and that had not been presented to us yeah. as something that we should believe in, mm-hmm. the, the real presence of Christ. But once I became Catholic, what I realized was that was the ultimate depth, you know, the idea of source and summit. Yeah. You know, it's a source of our faith and the summit of our faith, um, that that gave the rest of the faith the depth that led to all of it. That mm-hmm. Christ becoming mm-hmm. incarnate and being present um, is is sort of the core theology that leads us to all the yeah. rest of our faith. Yeah, and and we didn't we didn't know that that was what's drawing us, but mm-hmm. ultimately, it
0: mm-hmm. was. So, uh, did you guys go through an RCIA type well, situation? I mean, let me tell you a little bit. Just before okay, that, yeah.
1: we knew uh, we had been. My wife had worked at uh, Protestant Christian bookstores, uh, the Agape bookstore chain. And one of the owners of that was Al Cresta. And Al Cresta is, uh, at the time was Protestant. He was a pastor, a Protestant Mm -hmm. pastor. Um, we went to his church for a brief period of time. Then he became, he went and became Catholic and which upset a whole lot of people in that community, uh, started working for the radio station, but we, we became friends with them uh, before that happened. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we would periodically get together with Al and his wife and, um, he had this, uh, this, what he called a bridge group. Uh, he had been trying to introduce us to the faith very gently um, and then he had this this thing called a bridge group at his house once a week for eight weeks or something like that and it was presented as as this group to uh, facilitate dialogue between Protestants and Catholics mm-hmm. and uh, you know that uh, it it al had become Catholic and he was an, a, a Passionate Catholic, and so there was a little bit of yes. We want to facilitate. <laughs> we want to facilitate dialogue, and, and indeed he uh-huh. he did. But uh, you could tell very clearly that he was sharing honestly his faith. You know, and and the the night I remember the night that I sort of like that night with Jesus where I said, "Please, Jesus, help me," and all of a sudden I realized that I was a Christian. Um, he was talking about the church. It was, the The topic was the church, and. He, I don't remember if we looked at scripture or not but there was a at some point he said that God intended not only to establish a bible which we had always believed that was that that was our source and summit the, the scripture right. right but that he also intended after Christ to establish a church a hierarchical mm-hmm. church and all of a sudden that made sense to me hmm. that just it just resonated that God would not just leave us all to fight among ourselves and every you know it's just me and the holy spirit and I can come to believe whatever I want because I'm reading my bible and then there were so many different denominations within mm-hmm. protestantism and when he, when he's he said that line I immediately turned to my wife and I said I think I just became catholic wow I just became catholic because that made so much sense it just clicked yeah and and that then started a process of more formally seeking. We had been through Episcopal churches and Lutheran churches and stuff like that, and f- formally seeking to become Catholic.
0: And how did she respond when you said that to her?
1: She was fine with it. Okay. My wife, uh, she was much more comfortable or inspired by the social justice stuff, the music, the historicity, the longevity mm-hmm. of the church. Um, I think intuitively she knew of its that you know this was the core the core body of our faith. I had to work through all of the different doctrinal stuff for for years, probably five or six years or more. Um, You know, the Pope, all the standard stuff, Um, confession, the real presence of Christ. And the biggest one, the the biggest obstacle was Mary um, because the church proclaimed that she lived lived a, a sinless life. And I, we looked in the scripture and it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And, we, and the, the from the Protestant standpoint, your misteaching you, that's what your teaching is not true to the scripture. And um, so she was the biggest one. And if the church taught that, then that meant that the church wasn't authoritative. Right. So there was a whole lot just riding on Mary for me. And so she was the biggest obstacle. So I had to resolve that in this journey. Um and the, all those other things. Uh, and gradually I did. And then that night was the particular, you know, was the, when I stepped across the bridge, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah, the the Mary conundrum for a lot of people. Uh, it seems that it's a little bit of like a tipping point for some people. Well,
1: it was a tipping point for uh, for me. Um, but so much of what we had been taught about the Catholic Church was not accurate. hmm Uh, We don't worship Mary, right? We, we honor Mm -hmm. Mary, uh, but shoot, we honor our football professional football players. You know, we don't view that as being a a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, We, we ask her to intercede for us, Mm -hmm. but we don't worship her as God. But that, that's what was presented in in those churches. And so much of what we had been taught was inaccurate, and that's what I had to work through. And and that particular verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, I at some point I came to realize, well, they're not talking about Mary at all. That passage doesn't have anything to do with Mary. That passage is a presentation by Paul who is reaching out to the Gentile community and saying, you know, it, that the faith of in Christ is not restricted to Jews. It's available to all. And shucks, folks, we've all sinned, Jews right. and Gentiles alike. That
0: everybody needs. And
1: so that the that's interest. what that verse is referring to. We've all sinned okay. and fall short of the go- glory of God, both Jews and Gentiles. It's not a conversation about marriage. And so when I realized that 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 verse was taken out of context, yeah. and that that's one of the dangers that any Christian can do is, you know, grabbing a specific verse and using it as a proof text. Yeah. So, so when, I, when I resolved that and the church, uh, it was just smooth sledding, smooth sliding. Smooth sailing? Sailing uh, into the church. And we went through our CIA okay. and, and joined in about okay. two, 2001, I think, so.
0: And then uh, how did you end up in the deaconate? How did you end up becoming a deacon since then, since that point?
1: Yeah. Once you become Catholic, one of the dangers of becoming Catholic is, is is that you then head out into the church and you still don't know very much about the church. The RCIA process is great. Right. But there's so much depth to the history of the church yeah. and to the teachings and the theology. Uh, so I started taking classes uh, through Siena Heights University, which are the classes used for the diaconal, uh, preparation. Okay. And I didn't know that, but I just started, I heard of them and I started taking them one by one. And then I realized that this was part of the program. A few people sort of, I, I also think that it matches with my spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy encouraging people. Um, I enjoy serving, um, I am a, I'm a therapist, so I, I, I like to counsel. And so if, if you think about the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, uh, where Paul is talking about different offices in the church, he says God established or Jesus established pastors and, and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I think that's the, the yeah. phrase, pastors and teachers. And when you think about pastor, a shepherd, a guider, right. and teaching— um, those are things that I just love to do and I think by God's grace I have some yeah. facility for yeah. And so it, it it seemed like a natural extension to pursue the the diaconate because that's what you do as a deacon. you, you get to teach, um, you're here to serve, encourage and build people up. so it just it was a natural extension. So I just started taking the classes and and then kind of slid naturally into the formation program. It just seemed like a natural extension of that.
0: So I, I wanted to just ask a little bit about being a deacon here at St. Andrew so far. Uh, what's your experience been like and what are you looking forward to?
1: My experience at St. Andrew has been nothing but positive. I think that this is a great church. Everyone on the staff from Father John on through the staff Loves the Lord. I mean, that's my impression. Loves the Lord. I think that everybody on the staff, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I mean, it's a, yeah. to, to be a staff member at a church because mm-hmm. there's a couple thousand people that all have an opinion about about how things should be yeah. done. Um, and so I, I'm aware of the challenges for priests and deacons and, and staff mm-hmm. members. But my impression is that the, the people on the staff here are are committed to evangelization are committed to getting the, the, the word of Christ out to the community, are committed to meeting people's needs where they're at. It's a very compassionate staff. And for me, they've been extraordinarily supportive. I, I People have just been wonderful with me. Hmm. So I couldn't be happier being at, at St. Andrews. Um, it's been difficult in the midst of COVID right. to get to know people. Mm-hmm. I, I At this point, um, we're doing this in this late December, yeah. 2020. And and the fact that we can't fellowship after church and people just have to r- walk out. Yeah. I get to say hello to people, wish them well, be safe, God bless you. But I'm not developing relationships so far with people that I'd really, you, you would do in a normal circumstance. So it's been difficult during mm-hmm. this time. Um, I really look forward to when when those, the characteristics of, of COVID uh, on yeah. us culturally. Um, abate a bit so that that I can have a more normal interaction with folks.
0: I guess that answers my question of what you're looking forward to is when when we are able to be a little bit freer with what we do here. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. All right. Well, Deacon, thank you for sitting down. I really appreciate your time. And I really hope that this is a chance for anybody listening to get to know you a little bit more and to be able to welcome you into our parish family a little bit more. Thanks so much.
1: Well, thank you, this was fun.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Story. Join us next week for episode three, featuring Louise Perret. Louise will share the story of when she first met Jesus in a personal way, and will also tell us about how she discerned a call to the vocation of consecrated virginity. If you have a story from your personal faith journey that you'd like to share with others through this podcast or by other means, you can let us know by filling out the form at standrewsaline.org slash witness.